you know, I think knowing who you are, which is really difficult because the reason why you're going to continuously fall into these vicious cycles of whether it's toxicity or not knowing your own worth or value or being treated the way you're supposed to be treated is because you don't know who you are and you don't stand firm in your beliefs internally, like to the core of your very being, like, who are you? Welcome everyone to the ultimate shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? Okay, well, welcome back to the ultimate shift. Today we have Josh Wiseman. And I got that right, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> it's just sometimes I get people's last names right, and then I get laughed at, which is fine. Cool. So I'm excited to have you here. Uh, we have some mutual friends, and I met you once mm-hmm. before. Did we did a dinner uh, with a group of people. And so you have just released a book that I'm, I really want to hear about. So yeah. tell us a little bit about Josh. Like, where'd you grow up? What brought you to Nashville? You live the dream all life, all still figuring it out. I'm, hey, man. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, shout out to Sarah and Heather for making the connection and, and recommending that I, that I hop on this and chat about myself a little bit. My name is Josh Wiseman. I'm a professional videographer and photographer. I've traveled the world doing it for about the last five years full time. So I would say, yeah, for the most part, I'm more or less living the dream, but I'm always trying to figure it out as we all are. Uh, I was born in California. I lived there for about eight years in Central California, Atwater, Merced, moved to Florida, lived there a majority of my adolescent years up through high school, bounced around a little bit there. Uh, From there, I hopped back and forth from Florida to Oregon, Nevada, Texas, Illinois, Germany. I played basketball overseas, so that's what brought me overseas to Germany. Uh, Then back to the States, and uh, I just moved to Nashville a little over a year ago. I think August 14th was a year. And I moved to Nashville from Austin, Texas, which is, uh, you know, Texas is a big part of part of who I am. And, and I have a lot of emotional connection to Austin and just Texas in general. Very much Texas pride is really? as much as a, a native Texan is. Yeah, just because, you know, it was a place that really shifted and shaped who I was uh, as a person as well as my career. And for that, I will always owe that city, you know, everything. And, and a lot of the people in the city uh, that I hope listen to this, I'm sure they probably This is will. Austin specifically? This is Austin specifically, yeah, yeah. Why, why um, is that? What, what do you think Austin helps so much about? Well, it was a time in my life where I was struggling a lot with who I was, identity, uh, career shift as well. I owned two clothing companies prior to going full-time with photo and video. And those, I decided to just kind of dissolve those. I moved from Illinois down to Austin, visited Austin from Illinois for about 10 days or so. And in that amount of time, and this is when I really started to make the shift into doing full-time video and photo, is I went down, I visited one of my athletes who was with my clothing company at the time, and she was looking for a full-time shooter. And I was like, okay, what does that look like? Can you pay me? At this point in time, I was, horrible when it came to talking about money, but I couldn't really talk about money. I would always just kind of clam up and get nervous and stuff like that. So it was really difficult for me, but we, we talked about it a little bit and she introduced me to 
the gym owners that she, the gyms that she was going to, a couple different ones, and was able to sign contracts with three CrossFit gyms in the area wow. in Austin. And then her and I were gonna f- shoot full time. More or less, it was contingent on me living there. So I went back to Nevada where my mom lived at the time in Reno. And I went back and I had the undoubted conversation that I've had with her for many, many years of my life of mama moving again. And she was really excited to have me back. And then I had to break the news to her and she was pretty pissed at first. And, you know, I kind of turned it back on her and said, well, you, you know, you're the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is because you always encouraged me and enabled me in a positive way to really go after it and chase my dreams and really just not let anything or anyone hold me back. And I'm sorry that I can't, you count as one of those people that's not going to hold me back. You know, like if I, and that's something now, years later, I'm almost 30 and she'll, you know, she'll tell me from time to time, you know, how proud of me she is and stuff. And one of the things that she really admires about me, which means a lot coming from my mom because, you know, she's my best friend and it's pretty much just me and my mom, my entire life growing up. So one of the things that she says that she admires about me the most is the fact that when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And I told her I was moving to Austin and I packed up my stuff and I moved to Austin about, I would say, 20 days later from having that conversation with her. And from that point on, it just turned into full-time photo and video, not having a clue what I was doing, but still trying to do the best I could to make the most of it. I remember when I got my first $100 job, it was awesome. My first $500 job, my first $1,000 job, like, you know, checks getting cut at like one time or people pay me cash for this kind of stuff. And then it slowly just grew into, you know, thousand, two, five, ten, twenty thousand dollars jobs. And I'm just like, whoa, this is nuts. And you didn't have any experience in that prior? Yes, experience, but not the type of experience that I would, I don't know what I guess I kind of could. So throughout, I'll kind of backtrack a little bit. So when I was in college for the very short time that I was, I was playing music. And so I like, you know, play drums, guitar, bass, piano, sing a little bit, stuff like that. Uh, Sarah and I actually cut a song recently that's in the process of getting like produced, which is oh, cool. But through that process, when I was doing all those things, I was filming the process on like a shitty like point shoot camera that maybe shot 720 video resolution. Like I don't even know if it shot 720 back then, but then my mom for Christmas one year, she bought me an actual camera and it was like a uh, Canon T3i, very, very common entry level DSLR camera. And it shot, that was the first year I think with Canon with the Rebel series that shot 1080. And for those of you who don't know, 1080 is 1080 resolution, just like phones are like 4K resolution, stuff like that. Okay. So 420 is like a mashed potato and 4K is really good. So wow. 1080 is just right in the middle. So okay. just, yeah, just to got give you. people a, a little bit of a background on that. So yeah, so she got me that camera and I started just filming more of the behind the scenes process of writing music, recording music, playing live shows, doing the coffee, singer songwriter, coffee house stuff, selling CDs, like busting on corners and in casinos and excuse me, because I was living in Nevada at the time. All that is kind of all over the place. It's more or less a right. free-for-all there. I mean, just think Broadway, but it's a spectrum of an entire city. It's right. not quite as crazy, but can be sometimes. And so that was more or less kind of my first real introduction outside of, like, using my mom's camcorder when I was little to, like, film skateboard videos and stuff. But then there was no editing. It was just, like, film this, put it on VHS, 
watch it and tons of dead footage of me just like not in frame of me like really? doing other stuff <laughs> oh yeah like just yeah. completely forgetting that it's on and then just be like oh oh right. no I like wasted an entire tape and you know we didn't right. have a lot of money growing up so it was like alright well we can, I can just record over it or something like that Right. but yeah so I mean that was more or less my first experience with a camera actually where it was taking photos editing them taking videos editing them kind of like doing the best that I could to just make something mm-hmm. create essentially outside of just music so I started getting people interested in me taking like pictures of their families and stuff Hey, you know, people at the gym that I would go to in Nevada and they're just like, oh, dude, like I see you got a camera around, you know, can you do like family portraits of us or my kids turning three? Can you take birthday pictures or something? I'm like, yeah, you got a family. I got a camera. Do you guys have any money? And they're just like, yeah, we can pay you. And they're like, All right, <laughs> like how much? <laughs> and I just be like, oh, you know, it's like 250 fun. I was like, yes, that's great. And that was eight years ago, five, six, right. seven, eight years ago, something like that. So that started happening a lot more frequent. And then I launched the clothing companies and through the clothing companies, I was also f- going through a really big fitness transformation. So right now I'm about six, five, 240 pounds. And I used to be six, five, 180 pounds when I played basketball. Wow. So I was going through like a really big transformation just with like putting mass on mm-hmm. and filming that and doing the whole like fitness influencer thing. I saw you yeah, have first form shorts on. Yeah, and uh, Andy and Emily, they're like super sweethearts. Like I love them, love the whole crew up there. Um, they're all like really great people. So I've been like affiliated with them previously in like prior years and went up there and like had events with them and stuff like that, which was cool. Awesome. So I did the same thing and just had one clothing company at the time and was kind of peddling that to uh, those events and things like that, but also documenting, doing like vlog stuff and filming the process of just running a business, building a business photo shoots with my friends whenever I'd print gear because I hand printed all my stuff. So I'm hand printing my gear, the mess ups that weren't like super messed up to where like you couldn't wear it, but the ones that I probably wouldn't want to sell people, I would just give to my friends and say, hey, let's go do photos. Let's go to the gym and get a workout and I'll film you guys. You know, typical just, you know, hype, hype stuff, banger videos that you would now post on Instagram and stuff. Back then it was like posting on Facebook, maybe on Instagram, maybe on YouTube, things like that. And that progressed more and more into me figuring out how to brand, how to capture the essence of someone's style, character, and energy, whether that's a person, a place, a piece of clothing, or an object, per se, whether that be a hat, a shirt, or whatever. Right. And that grew more and more and more to where I started to learn how to edit, learn how to shoot a little bit better, learn about basics, foundational principles of photography and videography with composition, lighting, coloring, so on and so forth. And fast forward back to kind of where we started this conversation is, you know, when I moved down to Austin, that was the shift of, all right, I don't think I'm going to do clothes anymore. I've spent a lot of time branding my own brand with photos and videos and with a camera. Now let me see what I can do with other people's brands. And that's where I started with the three gyms in Austin and then the athlete that was a former athlete of mine. So I moved to Austin, started doing that. And it just big roundabout way to answer your question. Austin more or less is where I really took the one of the many leap of faith that I've taken in my life, but I took it there 
and went all in and have never done anything else since I've decided to go full-time photo and video. Wow. And it's the scariest thing in the world, but it's <laughs> the best thing in the world. It's the best. Man. Yeah. I'm super thankful and grateful for this life that I've built for myself. And that's what it is. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, in the most selfless way that I can say it, I've built this, but I have also had, you know, without my amazing clients that I have and my friends that like push my work and people who, you know, are always looking out for me. If someone like uses my stuff without telling me, you know, things like that. Like I have a lot of people that, you know, it takes a village per se, yeah. you know? So like the team that I have behind me with my friends and my mom, and uh, family, even though they're not blood related, but basically family when it comes to what I do professionally, it's a lot of people who respect me for what I do. And I'm extremely, extremely thankful for that. So when you were a kid, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Uh, played professional basketball. Really? Mm-hmm. So, and at some point you were like, okay, I want to do this instead. What made the entrepreneur side of you? So I played professional basketball in Europe. Okay. So I did that, which was cool. Mm -hmm. And so I tore my knee, came back to the States. When that happened, that's when I was like, well, I don't know if I want to beat my body up anymore. You know, you got these young guns who were coming out of college at the time, maybe a one and done -er, college for a year, then straight Mm -hmm. to the pros, stuff like that. And it's like, all right, now I'm going to have to come back, rehab. I'm starting to get a little bit older, you know, quote unquote yeah. older. And these guys are coming in and now like the, the average age of the league is like getting younger and younger and younger, you know, so it's a lot stiffer competition. Not to say I would ever shy away from something like that, but it was just like, it was a tough decision to make. Yeah. Do I really want to keep putting, beating my body up and putting it through this and being completely wrecked by the time I'm 35 or do I want to maybe look long-term and look at the longevity of my life and like the quality right. of my life? So decided to not do that, and that's when I picked up music, okay. and that's when I like cut a couple albums, like eight years, eight. And this years just ago. happened, like you just had the talent. So first time I picked up music was in high school, I, or actually it was in middle school. I went over to a friend's house for like a sleepover, and his dad used to play guitar with like the Almond Brothers and Leonard Skinner okay. and stuff, okay. which was I found out years later, and my mind was blown. He shredded, so it made made perfect sense. But they had all these instruments over the house. Guitars here, basses here. Shane, who was the kid, he had a drum set in his room. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Do you know how to play? And he's like, yeah, I can play something. He played something. I was like, can you teach me how to play? And by the time the end of the weekend came around, my mom came over. And I was, you know, typical, like, the adults are having a conversation. I'm, like, tugging my mom's shirt. Like, mom, come in here. Come Come watch me play this, whatever. I'd never experienced music. I love music, always. But I never experienced being able to like play anything or even be around that because uh, my mom and I we used to live in an airstream before they were super cool and trendy. Like when I was really? growing up, yeah, when I was really little. So like we lived in one of those, and you know, never really had a lot of money. My mom was a single mom who busted her ass and worked two or three jobs to make sure that like she could keep a roof over our head, and I was fed, and I had whatever I needed to be able to participate in sports. And you know, she was an all star and just did everything that she could to like I said, enable me to be as successful as I could because we didn't have much. Right. Uh, I will forever let go of my mom, everything that in my life, you know. Looking back on it, it wasn't just like a four on the floor, like ACDC type thing. Yeah. It was like something a little bit more intricate than that. And when I look at it now, I'm like, man, for that to be the first thing that I learned, that's pretty good. So you, you, know? you had some natural talents. Apparently, apparently, yeah. My mom's not musical at all. Yeah, so after that, it was like the next, my next birthday, I was like, mom, I want to, guitar, I want drums, blah, 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 and then it just kind of progressed from there, and then one year she saved up for like a long time, 
who bought me like a super nice drum set that I like handpicked everything is when she realized it wasn't going to be a fad anymore, you know, because I mean, why are you going to go all in on something when it's just going to sit there and collect dust type of thing? So, yeah, so picked up music after college, you know, fast forward to then been playing a little bit. I could play guitar a little bit and sing, quote unquote, sing. I still don't think I can sing very well, but Sarah, (laughs) Sarah begs to differ. (laughs) Well, that's cool. Uh, And so I played music and yeah, it was, you know, that kind of comes full circle as to like how I got, you know, what I wanted to be growing up was play basketball. And then when that kind of broke down and fell through and I was looking at the longevity of the quality of my life, picked up music, simultaneously picked up a camera doing the same thing. And then it was just a slow progression. Like the camera was always there, but it wasn't anything that was my main focus by any means. It was always either the music or the companies. And then when I really saw that there was something in it and people enjoyed what I was doing and I felt like I was good at it and I loved doing it, then I was like, man, I should probably do this more. There you (laughs) You go. So your book's called Diaries of an Emotional Man. What inspired the book and what inspired more the title? I'm intrigued by that title. Oh, man. Take a drink of water on this one. Yeah, no, dude, I I really want to dive into that. This is a big thing. I, I think... And I haven't read the book. It's still, it just got released, I think, what, a couple weeks ago. Uh, the pre-order on Amazon for digital version is available now. But if you order it, I'll, send, or I'll just send it to you. But uh, the actual paperback and hardcover books, uh, pending mistakes or change that have been made recently, those should be available October 1st. Yeah, so I found that title super intriguing uh, just for the simple fact that I think that one topic that's finally getting the attention it deserves is men and their emotional state of being. So what led to that title and what led to the book and how did that all fall in? Man, I mean, there's quite a few things that have contributed to this book. My mom being probably one of the main ones. And I have a book here. So I'll pull open the first couple of pages. And sh- uh, what does it say? Here we go. So this is just a a little quote from my mom, but she would tell me when I was younger, Joshua, don't you ever hide who you are from the world. Never be sorry for speaking up about how you feel. The right person will come along and appreciate you for being honest with your feelings and love you unconditionally. My mom has told me that to like be unapologetic to myself since I was very young. And it was just us, you know, I had to grow up very quickly. I'm an only child to a single mom. And that's kind of that. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? I mean, I can go more into it, but as I got older, you know, I'm a very emotionally driven person. And it's like, I know there's no problems with that. I'm not shy. I don't shy away from that at all. I'm very yeah. open and candid to saying like, Hey, like, yeah, I'm emotional. I'm a very passionate individual, I mm-hmm. guess is the best way that I would put it. You know, right. the things that I care about, I really care about. And I really emotionally invest in things that I don't, I give a shit less. And mm-hmm. if yeah. my attitude reflects that. So, Growing up and getting into like dating and stuff, I found that it was really difficult for me to express myself openly and candidly with my partners. I was engaged previously. This was like many years ago and she left me for a woman. So that was like a big like mental trauma, I guess mm-hmm. you could call it. But then moving forward, it was like, and, and this kind of goes into today's more or less day and age with the whole toxic masculinity thing where it's frowned upon for men to share their feelings and emotions or else they're looked at as feminine or weak. And I'm by no means bashing women. So women who are listening to this podcast, this is about that. It's everyone. Dudes do it too. 
You don't want to seem like, you know, excuse my French, but you just don't want to seem like a huge pussy around all your friends. Right. And guys give, you know, other guys hard times about it. Women give guys hard times about it that they're dating. Oh, he's too sensitive. He's too Mm -hmm. emotional or, you know, and what's funny is the caveat behind that is that majority of the time women want someone who can listen, who can open up, who can be an empath, you know, who's not afraid to cry, who's not afraid to be themselves. And then when they get that, because of how much society has kind of suppressed that from men, no one really knows how to react to those sorts of things. And me being one of those people on social media that's very transparent with the good and the bad, like my social is not just a snapshot of, or like a highlight reel of my life. Like I talk about good stuff, bad stuff, traumatic things. Like I just try and be as real as I can while also pushing and incorporating my art into it uh, via photos and video and things of that nature. So Madeline, my girlfriend, when her and I first started dating at the beginning of the quarantine stuff, we spent a lot of time together. She wasn't at her main job, her nine to five, but she was still running her business as a trainer. So she was still taking people on the side safely mm-hmm. when she could. And we're on the back end, like, you know, I was helping her like build out an app and help her with her website and, you know, just try and get things more or less streamlined for her and her business to be able to grow. Not to say it wasn't already, definitely not trying to take anything away from her because she would crush it with or without me. But with what I'm able to do, again, going back to branding and photo and video stuff to be able to accompany, you know, bring people's visions to life. And that's You're just adding to what she yeah, is already. Yeah, so that's, you know, I would like to think that we're both an accessory to each other's life. We don't need each other, but it's, you know, we're a really good support system for one another. And that that's what it is. We're an accessory to each other's life. Um, so when her and I started dating, it was we spent a way significant amount of time together. Not that that's bad, you know, love or death. So it was great, and we spent a lot of that time outside of working out and working on her business model and you know all of that stuff, uh, all the content for her, you know, branding in her app and making sure it was good and testing and all sorts of stuff. It would just you know we would have date nights and chat about just life and we always play the questions game. I mentioned it in my book actually, but we just play the questions game and it's exactly what it sounds like. You just sit there and we would get like five seconds of silence and one of us at some point in the evening would just say, ask me a question. Wow. And it was, I mean, nothing was off the table. We didn't know that when we first started. It first started like, oh, like when's your birthday? What's your favorite color? Then it's like, Tell me about your mom. Is your dad in the picture? Is what you know? Is he alive? Is it you know? And then it was what like, great conversation what, starters. Exactly, you know, and it turned into something very real and vulnerable, and wow. something very special. Um, so in a big way, and she has a page along with my mom in this book. She's the reason why I wanted to write this book mm-hmm. because. It was years and years and years and years prior to meeting her and being with someone that was actually really patient. I mean, I'm not by any means saying it's a walk in the park, like her and I have our issues just like anyone else does. But I would say one of our strongest suits in our relationship is our ability to communicate with one another. So if something's wrong, then neither of us has a problem sitting down and just having a conversation like this and saying like, what's going on? We'll talk about it. We'll say like... can I just sure, like interrupt? Real quick? So when you were doing these questions, 
So I'm intrigued by this. I've never heard of this before. When you were doing these questions, this was in silence. In other words, you didn't have a movie playing in the background or anything like that. Sometimes we did, sometimes we didn't. Most of the time it was either over dinner or it would literally just be like me sitting on the floor or sitting on the couch and us just kind of like facing each other like you and I are facing each other now and just having a conversation. And sometimes it led to tears, sometimes it didn't. Sometimes it made some very uncomfortable conversations, things Mm -hmm. that, you know, you ask the question, they get halfway through their answer and you're like, shit, I kind of wish I didn't ask this, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to be receptive and open with what they have to say because that's what I'm here to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Wow. Um, But yeah, so in like a a huge way, I mean, she inspired this book just based off of the fact that, you know, she was raised one way and I was raised a completely different way in regards to emotions and how to show them or not show them and either suppress or surface them and when we started to talk about those things and we did start having some of those difficult conversations and maybe I broke down and cried or I would say something and it would upset her and I'm just speaking like candidly about or she would say something and it would upset whatever the case was and it wasn't like upset as in you know we're flying off the handle by any means mm-hmm. or anything like that. It was just a... Uh, Things that it triggered it, yeah, which, yeah, so it was, triggered it was a great word. And I think her and I have used that word quite a few times in the early stages of this. So it was like, yeah, it was just like, you know, if I ever talked about, about like a particular ex or something in any capacity, even though she may have asked a question, then it would trigger something and she would retract mm-hmm. and close off and you can fit like physically visibly you could see those sorts of things happening yeah and you know vice versa you know maybe she would talk about something past relationship or you know the one that got away or something of the sorts and i would you know start to feel insecure and this is just a fear coming in of of yeah probably probably humanity It's, it's a human thing yeah fear is fear is real man i mean it's you know, fear drives a lot of people, and for many years it drove me, and, and I couldn't figure out why. And the big shift with that is my best friend passed away a couple of years ago, and he died in his sleep. So it was one of those things that really, I mean, it hit me very, very hard. I definitely wanted to hang from a rafter. Not even, not even ashamed to admit that. That's not a phone call or any sort of anything that I wish on anybody. So I think from that point in time, it was just a really big eye opener how short and fragile life is. And that I never want to go a day without telling the people that I love and care about that I, you know, that I love and care about them. Um, And that goes, you know, I did. From that point on, I just wanted to live as unabridged as I could in terms of vulnerability, not afraid to really be who I am 100% of the time, not trying to impress people, not trying to be someone that I'm not, not trying, you know, wear a bunch of different masks, mm-hmm. essentially right. like a lot of people do in today's day and age. You know, you get these people who do live out of fear and who are driven by fear, for fear of failure, fear of commitment, fear of imposter, you know, imposter syndrome is a thing, not feeling like they're good enough or, um, you know, people who aren't validated enough in their lives. So they, you know, seek that external validation elsewhere. There's a lot behind that. I I really want to dive into this thing 
and I'm not, I don't want to take up your whole night either, but I, I want to dive into this thing. How do you think, you know, you, you talked about how women want someone who will listen to them and be there for them emotionally. And I, and I very much agree with that. I've had different friends over the years who have come to me and they talk about this guy or that guy and how they're being treated. And then it seems like they always tend to go back there to those bad relationships or they go back to a lot of times. I think this can be on both sides of the spectrum, boys and girls go back to the people who are kind of dragging them down, if you will. What is a better way for this, since we're both guys for us men to come into a relationship? Maybe the answer is as simple as what you're saying. Just asking those questions. What advice would you give a guy when he's coming into that relationship? And like you said, he doesn't really want to be addressed as the pussy, whether it's from either side of the aisle again, or, but he, he wants to be there, but he's still trying to be yeah. man, be the man or be the, yeah. the leader. What, yeah, I mean, no. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, what, I, what's think, the, I think I do. What's the starting ground point of being that person that can be there, but yet not being that pushover type of like, I definitely think there's a fine line for sure of being like overly emotional or just being vulnerable and candid and transparent. I think transparent is probably, excuse me, the better word that you could use for that. So I think when it comes to guys and girls, I mean, this book isn't just for dudes. Like mm -hmm. I want women to read this book too. Women have read this book and they've been like, whoa, I really enjoyed a lot of things you said about this. And like it made me think about in inwardly, maybe look inward. And I think that's a good starting point for a lot of people who maybe haven't been able to break that vicious cycle of, okay, toxic relationship. No, it's not good for me. And everyone knows that it's not good for them either. And then they get out of it and either they go back to their ex or they just continuously fall back into that cycle of toxicity. But what drives that? Why is that? I think a lot of it kind of gets driven by the fear of, let's just say... The unknown? Could be if, if it's if it was someone going back to their ex or something like that, it could be just a familiarity thing. Like they don't really know any better because they haven't really been treated that well. And this goes for guys and girls. Like I've been treated like shit from women before, and I know a lot of women who have been treated like shit from dudes before. You know what I mean? It happens all the time. So it's like when someone good in your life comes along, you're very weary of that from both sides of the coin, men and women, because it's something that you're so unfamiliar with that you want to stiff arm these people because you're like, whoa, whoa, why are you so nice? Like, it's pretty shitty whenever you open the door for a woman, like to get in the car and their face lights up and they're like, oh my gosh, like no one's ever done this for me before. You're almost 30 years old and no one's ever opened a car door for you. Are you joking? Mm -hmm. Like guys gotta be better about that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people say chivalry's dead. It is if you're looking in those places where it's dead. It exists. But what happens when the guys try to do this? Because I've seen this. And then the girl's like, I can get my own door. <laughs> I'm, I'm with a woman like that. Um, <laughs> I can address this all day. Uh, no, but it's, uh, you know, alpha There may be no right or wrong. No, there, there really isn't. I mean, alpha personalities exist. I have an alpha personality. So is my girlfriend. So we clash a lot because we're both very prideful and very stubborn when it comes to, hey, I know that this is my way or like what 
whatever mm-hmm. the case is, you know what I mean? But I think one of the things to help remedy that is for these people to understand that it's okay to let your guard down a little bit. Opening a door is not gonna lead to the rest of your life. It could, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, it's like letting someone get the door for you. If you have that much of a chip on your shoulder that you're gonna snap at someone and say, I can get my own door, then you have some serious, serious, serious self-reflection to do because there's something that's happened to you previously in your life that has made you on edge to that level where you feel like such a chip on your shoulder that you have to let every single dude and probably chick know, like, I don't need you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that could be like past relationships where they just got treated like complete garbage or weren't valued or weren't made to feel special or anything like that, you know, and that has carried over into a personality where they feel like, okay, I can do everything myself. I don't need you. I'm an alpha. I don't need you. And for some people that's going to work for the rest of their life and they don't really care about spending their life with anyone. But for other people, you're going to end up sad and alone with your millions of dollars because you're probably going to be crushing it in a career in some capacity. More your focus is goes into what yeah. thrives. Yeah, what you focus on, you create. So it's, you know, I think it, it yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, but. No, you did. There's a question that comes out of that is you said for someone in that case, and maybe it's even a different scenario, there's a lot of self-reflection to do. Yeah. Uh, and I, and where does that start? How do you do I was, was going to say, to go back to your original question where you said if someone's coming into the relationship, guy or girl, and they don't want to get looked at as just like a pushover, essentially, you know, I think knowing who you are, which is really difficult because the reason why you're going to continuously fall into these vicious cycles of whether it's toxicity or not knowing your own worth or value or being treated the way you're supposed to be treated is because you don't know who you are and you don't stand firm in your beliefs internally, like to the core of your very being, like, who are you? And so you're trying to get someone to, to tell you who you are. Exactly. And that's where the term like a boyfriend or girlfriend chameleon comes into play. And I've been guilty of that before. You date someone who's a golfer. You've never touched a golf club in your life, but you like this person. So you're going to learn how to play golf. Mm-hmm. Easy as that. And then the next thing you know, you start with this baseline foundation of like emotional integrity when you get into this relationship, but this person just like berates and like beats you down so much that by the time you eventually are dismissed from that relationship and made to feel guilty for whatever reasons, you now have no idea who you are emotionally anymore because that person has now stripped you of your identity behind who you were when you enter that relationship. So I think one of the biggest pieces of advice I could ever tell anybody is to just really stand firm with like who you are and to know who you are coming into something. You know, very few examples where two damaged people can fix each other and be good for one another. Let's say two people, guy and girl, just break up with somebody like a week before. They meet and they haven't addressed everything that happened like the five years prior to that mm-hmm. where they like spent five years with these people, their significant others probably saw a complete future with them. And then let's just say both of them cheated on like both sides of the coin. So now you have this complete lack of trust in the opposite sex and everyone's done it. You know, I've done it. I'm super insecure about a lot of things and 
And the reason why, and it goes back to this example, is because of like these past traumas, you know, where it's like, oh, I've been cheated on. So it's really hard for me to trust people. That's pretty much like the, the biggest one that I can think of. I mean, cheating, but you know, there's tons of different ways to really just not be right for someone, right? You know, whether that's like emotionally cheating or uh, like physically cheating or being like emotionally abusive or verbally abusive, physically abusive. I've been physically abused by a chick before. I mean, it happens, mm -hmm. you know, and then all of these things just get suppressed further and further and further and further and further. Everyone is so afraid to like really look in the mirror and just sit in a dark room with your own thoughts. That shit's scary. Is that how you self-reflect? Because there's people that would be in that situation and someone says, hey, you know, you should probably really take some time with yourself. They don't know how. Where does that start? For you, is, is it literally sitting in a dark room and saying, okay, here, here it is. I'm having a conversation with myself. Is it meditation? It, what works for you? What, what sources have you found there? I would say for everyone is different, for sure. Sure. Uh, there was a phase in my life where it was me sitting in a dark room with a bottle of something. Really? Yeah, and just sitting there and crying and getting angry. And But that helped you through the process. It was just a cleansing process, more or less. Mm -hmm. You know, where it was, it was. I was completely, you know, off of social, detached from the world, turned my phone off for month probably to the point where like my mom was like very worried couldn't get hold of me or nothing wow it was like sending people to my place to make sure i was alive still so was was this a state of depression or was it i think it was a little bit of both honestly yeah yeah i think it was a little bit of both but i mean you know persevering through something like that and just really understanding how my mind works mm -hmm. and i think this goes for everyone but just understanding like what your needs are whatever that may be life mm -hmm. relationship career in daily life, whatever, like, what are your needs? And I think when you can address what those are, it becomes a lot easier to get to that point. So it's like, you know, how do you work towards something if you don't know what you're working towards? Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, I mean, a good, good example of this, I would say, are probably the love languages. I can't think of all them off the top of my head, but like, let's just say words of affirmation. Let's just go with that one. Let's just say one of your emotional needs or your love languages is words of affirmation. But you're with a partner that never tells you that like you're handsome or you're beautiful or you look great today or any of that shit. And you're always kind of hoping secretly that like they say something like that. And in your mind, you're playing the scenario. Maybe it's just me, but I play the scenario and have played the scenario before where it's like you really hope that this person like comes through so you don't look like you're wrong to yourself. Mm. So you're kind of playing this mental game of just like, oh, okay. like, oh I just got a haircut or girls, you know, I just got my, my nails done or like, you know, mm -hmm. I've lost a couple pounds and like these jeans fit again. And you walk out and your significant other is just sitting there and they're just like, hey, or they like don't even acknowledge you or you're like dropping hints and they don't really say anything. Over time, that's gonna eat away at you. That's gonna eat away at your confidence and it's slowly just going to like creep in more and more and more and more and more until you don't feel like you deserve those confidence mm -hmm. or wow. you don't deserve, you know, you're not, you're undeserving or that starts the whole toxicity type of absolute relationship, the, the, the toxic relationships. And you know, the people that stay in them are people who fear getting back out there because that's all they know. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a, a 
friend who has been in one of those relationships where it's like them and their boyfriend or girlfriend at the time are horrible for each other. It's like, you know, fire and gasoline, mm-hmm. horrible for each other. And they break up and they get back together and they break up and they get back together like two magnets, mm-hmm. you know? Why can't you just look the other way, repel each other and just like stay out of each other's lives? Because you two are horrible people together. Cool people outside of that, but horrible people together. And this goes back to kind of entering again into a relationship and understanding what your needs are. Because when you can understand what your own needs are, you can express those to your partner. I talk about this in the book too, where it's just like with Madeline and I, when it came to the questions game, like we asked hundreds of like we would sit for like three and four hours no and way. just talk and sometimes it would be like a couple like small questions or maybe it would be like an hour of like smaller questions but then there were some times where we would be like three four or five questions in and then one of us would just like hit a trigger and that one question would lead into like just mm-hmm. a rabbit hole of stuff mm-hmm. you know we understand each other's needs and have gotten I mean, we've had, there's a lot of kinks, obviously, growing pains of relationships. But we're now starting to have more of a aligned vision of each other's needs, how to meet them, when to push, when to back off, you know, things like that. It's just an ebb and flow, you know, more or less. Just, you know, hey, I know that she's her needs and she needs this. Let me give that. She Mm -hmm. knows that these needs are my needs. She's going to give that. And if they're not being met, then you talk about it. Mm-hmm. But be intentional about it. Absolutely. Being intentional with your actions and, and words is very, very important. You know, yeah. and I think as well as yourself, you know, be intentional about yourself. Like Madeline always gets on to me because I speak pretty negatively about myself in a lot of capacities. And she gets on me all the time. She's like, we stop saying that. You need to stop saying that. And it kind of the same thing. It's energy. It's mm-hmm. being intentional. You know, if you wake up every day and you look in the mirror and you say, you know what? You're a piece of shit to yourself every single day. You're going to start believing that eventually. And the same, the same way, if you're in that relationship where you're, like you said earlier, you just don't get it. You just don't get it. Eventually, you're going to stop believing that you are that. Mm-hmm. Then you become even more afraid to leave that to go find a new relationship because now you think less of yourself than you did when you first entered that. Absolutely. That and instead of starting at this, like I said, like this emotional foundation that you had for yourself, maybe you mm-hmm. haven't been in a relationship in a while. You felt like you repaired whatever right. quote unquote damage has been done in previous, you know, flings or whatever. And now you're back to like, not even at that foundation anymore. You're back you're to pretty where you, good you're back to where you foundation. were way before that. Yeah. Because this person has made you feel less than yeah. And I think it's, you know, kind of going more or less like full circle with things. It's men and women, if you don't know what you want, then you probably shouldn't be like, I I understand that there's going to be a level of figuring out what you want. And, but at the same time, to be able to reflect in whatever way and whatever capacity that is for you, I journal, I write a lot pretty much every single day. So I write whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. I slept great last night. This is what mm-hmm. I have going on through the day. This is how my heart feels. That's one of the main topics that I always talk about in my, right in my journals at home. And then the last thing I always put to end every single one is life is beautiful. That's it. And that's oh. how I end every single one. Close it, it, I write the date on it. And then when I fill up that, I put it on my bookshelf and then I 
get a new drill yeah. and I keep and I just do that. That's awesome. And I highly encourage people to do that. It really helps, you know, and sometimes it's, even if you can't just talk to somebody to just write it down, read it out loud to yourself, get it out of your head and just get, yeah, better out than in, you know, type of thing and being able to reflect and really understand yourself and how you operate and what your needs are to be able to communicate that to a potential partner is really important, but also just, you know, like I said, fear drives a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of people are scared to commit. A lot of people are a what if, what if, what if, you know, like instead of there's actually a page in my book, it says, if you keep thinking about the what if, you're never going to be present for what is. Wow. And that's something that has been like a really big eye opener for me because I'm a big, like, I'm an analytical thinker. I'm a massive overthinker, which is a huge part of this book. That's why it's called Thinker, mm-hmm. Diaries of an Emotional Man, because I'm a massive overthinker when it comes to everything. Mm-hmm. I would say everything that has to do with like emotion, emotions right. and like being vulnerable and stuff like that with relationships more or less. Uh, but I'm just a very in-depth thinker and I tend to look at things and say like, you know, never mind today, you know, September 20th, never mind today, but I'm going to think of, you know, six weeks from now. And then the next thing you know, it's the 21st and I completely lost sight of the 20th, you know, because I'm like formulating these hypothetical scenarios in my head, whether that's like, you know, guys or girls like, oh, well, like, what if they break up with me? What if I meet their family and they hate me? What if, and it's all this negative stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yo, we just had a great day today. Why aren't you here with me today? Why are you looking at six months right. down the road from now and you got one foot out the door when we should be cherishing everything that's going on right now with everything being great, you know? And it sucks to say, but it's like, I could go to sleep and never wake up. And then you would have been thinking about, you know, what if this shit goes wrong and goes south and my heart is hurt instead of being happy and content with the person that you want to grow with. Mm -hmm. And that growth is not just growing older. That growth is emotional growth. It's growth in trust. Yeah, it's a daily growth. You know, it's a growth in communication. It's a growth in, you know, two human beings and two souls, essentially, that are going to grow together. I love that. So, well, I'm going to wrap this up. I got two more questions. If you were given the world stage where everyone's watching, everyone's listening, and you were said, hey, Josh, you got five minutes. You don't have to take five minutes to answer this, but you got five minutes. What does the world need to hear? Say your piece. Whoa. And that's how the world's going to remember you by. Whoa. That's a big question. I think if I could say something to the entire world. I mean, essentially you are, you just released a book to the entire world. I mean, let's hope actually. (laughs) And this would just be a big part of the whole five minutes. If I took five minutes for the entire world, it would be uh, life is met better with love than it is with anger and resentment. And that it's extremely short and tomorrow's not promised by any means. And at the end of the day, if you were to cut open any person on the planet, we all bleed red. And being kind to other people and putting a smile on other faces goes a really long way. And I think that's something that's been lost in everything that's going on in the world right now. That just being a nice person and 
being a good person and being an empath and understanding that, okay, they mess up your coffee at Starbucks, but the mother behind you or the person you're yelling at or whatever, you know, their mom or dad might have cancer and this mm-hmm. is their third job and they haven't slept in two days and just fucking be nice. Just mm-hmm. be a nice person. Be human. Yeah. I mean, cause that's yeah. what we are at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, and I think just be a good person, love people and just be yourself undeniably. It's good. It's a good answer. Okay, if you could ask any one person alive or dead one question, who would the person be and what would the question be? I think it would be cool to talk to Steve Jobs because I, I know people who have worked with him that have. And it was like, the dude just had like another gear that was just, I mean, there was a little bit off in there. There was something a little bit off, but in like a good way, like a, in a drive kind of way. Mm-hmm. In regards to a singular question, I don't, know if I would have one particular question to ask him but if but but I mean if I could just ask him like what made you who you are what did the drive come without from? Apple and not necessarily like where did it come from like oh, okay my mom or dad or like oh I was beat as a child like whatever like yeah. not, not one of those things but it's just like what is the secret sauce in you that has pushed you through like losing the company prior to Apple or like all the, all that like negative stuff, and like all the back and forth and everything that happened. I think that would be, that would be a really cool conversation. That's such a horrible answer. That's a great answer. It's <laughs> a great answer that I'm now going to turn on you. So what's the secret sauce in Josh Wiseman that pushed you through the losing your best friend, the always pushing the driving to be that man that that's willing to address the vulnerability side of him. I think honestly is uh, just for my mom. Just to yeah. make my mom proud. Just that support. Uh, yeah, my uh, biological father left my mom and I when I was less than a year old and I'll never figure out why. And honestly, that was almost my person and question. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I feel like it'd be more exciting for viewers if it was like, oh, I want to talk to Prince or something, you yeah. know? But no, I mean, honestly, just I do pretty much everything that I do in my life to make my mom proud and to know that I'm going to be a better father than he was one day, you know, if and when I have kids. But I just want to be known for having a good energy and being a good person and someone who has inspired people to really go for it, really chase their dreams and understand that it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be like a straight and narrow and it's going to be hard and you're going to want to quit and you're going to want to absolutely rip your hair out and you're going to cry and you're going to curse the sky and yourself and fail hundreds of times, Mm -hmm. but it's worth it in the end when that one thing works or those stars align and planets align and everything comes together and you're looking at yourself in the mirror or you sign whatever contract or you've launched X, Y, and Z because of one, two, three, whatever that thing is for you, understand that it doesn't come easy, but it it's mm-hmm. worth it. And it's always worth it regardless of, of, of what that is. So I think for me, just the secret sauce is knowing that my mom's proud of me all the time, even at my worst and especially at my best. And for me to be this kid from nowhere usa essentially and now 
have like somehow managed to like be known around the entire world. And like my mom is like so fucking stoked all the time. Especially when I wrote this book. And it was like, man, I know a lot of people that are quote unquote successful say it, but like if I can get through all the shit that I've gotten through and get to where I am now, where I'm like actually happy for once in my life, like everyone can do that. You just have to believe that you can do that. Amen to that. Well, look, man, I just want to acknowledge you for coming on here and just giving, uh, gosh, I, I could do this for hours. <laughs> Thank you I, so much for having me. You know, everything you're saying that you wish to be is what people have told me that you are. And so uh, I think you're an incredible human being. I, I think I'm, I'm going to order that book first thing as uh, soon as I get home. I can't wait to read it. I just want to acknowledge you for, for being yourself to the core, for showing everyone around you that, for putting your emotions out there, writing the book. And I think you're putting so much information out that everyone that gets to know you is going to be better because they know you. Thank you so much. It really means a lot. Thank you for having me on. And uh, don't worry about buying the book. I'll yeah, no, no. I, I, I want to idea. support you. <laughs> I want to buy it. Let this me buy is, This is supporting me, man. This is my first time yeah. talking about it. So. Yeah. How can people find it? How can they find you, follow you, support you? So JT Wise Guy, spelled how it sounds, J-T-W-I-S-E-G-U-Y across every social platform. So Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Don't add me on Facebook. I'm never on Facebook. And my book, if you look up Thinker Diaries of an Emotional Man on Amazon, it will come up as a digital pre-order and the actual paperbacks and hopefully uh, hardcover books pending, like I said, the mistakes that were just made. All of those will be available to be ordered on October 1st. Okay. So, and someone can always hit you up on Instagram and say, Hey, where can I buy it or whatever? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then I think the hardcover books are going to be available on my website, which is going to be jtwiseguycreations.com. Okay. Perfect. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, this has truly been an honor and a pleasure for me. So I'm so grateful you agreed to do it. Dude, thank you so much, man. Till next time. Thanks again for tuning in to The Ultimate Shift. Look, I know life is crazy, life gets busy, and we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up, but there's so many things that come up in between. And my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal. You can follow me on Instagram at Ephraim Glick, Facebook at Ephraim Glick, Twitter at Glick Ephraim, or you can go to the website at Ephraim Glick. Dot com. See you next time.